Salami, it's the Shekelala Salami show. I'm really excited because I'm at London's first crime writing festival. Um, it's called Capital Crime. Normally, I would record my podcast from home, uh, but today is really nice to be sort of somewhere out, and I get to meet lots of amazing authors. You know, one of the best. You know, they are among the best um, crime authors in London. So today I'm not in a virtual cafe. I'm actually having a conversation with my guests, you know, one-on-one in Capital Crime in central London. Uh, as normal, I would let my guests introduce themselves because I think they can do a better job at it than I can. So who have I got here with me today? You've got Deborah O'Donoghue. I'm um, the author of Sea of Bones, which is um, a simmering psychological thriller uh, set between London and Scotland and Wales and Manchester and Liverpool. Um, and I'm a former teacher turned writer. Awesome. Your books sound amazing already, like psychological. I'm just sort of, what would you... What is it like? Would you say it's like 007 or would it be more, what's, I'm thinking of elementary now. What's that guy's name? Ugh. You know, the detective, is that a detective type one? What is... It's uh, it's not a detective, so it's not um, a police procedural as such, okay. although there is um, a murder detective in the novel, um, but it's about um, a politician, a woman who works behind the scenes. She's a chief of staff for the Progressive Alliance. And she uh, finds herself with a lot of time on her hands after a massive failure in uh, the elections. And she starts looking into her niece's death. So uh, obviously, because it's a thriller, she starts to uncover uh, that it's not all as it seems. Um, And she goes up to Scotland to her family home um, on the coast. Uh, and starts, she's grieving, and her sister, her twin sister, is bipolar. So she has some paranoia that she may be um, sharing some of the diagnoses with her sister because there is some research that shows there's an increased risk of bipolar if you're twin is bipolar so interesting so it explores some of those psychological issues um and her she doesn't know whether her doubts and the things that she's finding out Hmm. are true or part of her own uh psychological state at that time your book sounds amazing so now normally because the show is set in a virtual cafe you know people would have virtual drinks just because it's just sort of something nice to do so because we're here and we're not recording virtually like just let people know a bit more about you what is your favorite if you went to starbucks what would you normally order i would order a double macchiato a double espresso macchiato because i like just that little bit of froth on the top of the strong coffee just to take the edge off it a little bit nice 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 okay so how did you, so just sort of kind of, I know you've said so much about your book and your book sounds amazing, but I like to know a little bit more about the people that I chat with. So what is it, how, what was it, how did your life get the way it was so that you ended up here on a seat next to me? Um, well, obviously I, I um, 
became a teacher after, after my studies and I had uh, a wonderful teaching career. I loved it. I loved being in the classroom. And then I went and worked for the local authority as a consultant teacher okay. um, for a number of years. And of course, uh, in the current climate, the local authorities are shrinking. Mm. And I uh, took the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy. Okay. And I thought, do you know what? I need to put this money this little pot of money where my mouth is and pay for myself to have some time to write, which is what I'd always wanted to do. It's what I've always done. Yeah. I have written since I was a little girl, but to have some time to take it seriously and find out more about the industry and uh, give myself that chance. Awesome. So local authority, um, then you became redundant, then you started. So did you self-publish or did you go with a trade publisher? I, I was, I've been published by Legend Press, which are an incredible independent uh, press set up by Tom Chalmers, who's won all sorts of awards in the industry. Um, they have an amazing list. And I was really lucky to be taken on by them, be acquired by them and join their stable, so to speak. Um, they've, uh, yeah, I really recommend people go and have a look at their website because they're doing incredible things. Um, and I, I so I, um, when I started looking into, you know, writing, I got some coaching from a former colleague who became a, a life coach. Oh, right. And she, it was really interesting because she was able to help me set goals and uh, identify some of my strengths and areas for development. And one of my areas for development was networking because I, like lots of Englishy, bookish type people, yes. I, I'm naturally, uh, um, well, I would say, People will laugh. My friends would laugh if I said I'm naturally shy because I'm not. So, you know, obviously I've I've been a performer and yeah. things like that. But you change as you grow older, and yeah. I had become a little bit more reserved. And the idea of networking and asking for help just made me cringe. And I realised that you have to put yourself out there and make yes. yourself vulnerable. Yes. Um, and actually, people are a lot kinder than you think they are. Um, I asked a friend of a friend uh, called Rosie Walsh, mm. who has had a massive success recently with the t New York Times bestseller, nice. uh, The Man Who Didn't Call, uh, whether she would Skype with me occasionally, give me some advice, and she has been absolute gold dust. She, we met up uh, every couple of weeks uh, virtually, because mm. I, I live in Brussels, and... Um, she uh, gave me advice, she let me read her drafts, she shared with me her nous about how to uh, try and get an agent, um, and also to navigate what I wanted to write yeah. uh, with also you know, being a little bit commercial and giving yourself the chance of uh, making a living as a writer as well. So um, she, that was amazing, and so that's how I kind of went from local authority employee to being more of an independent self-starter if you know like. it sounds really amazing so you then got a coach and did you say her name was rosie walsh no so rosie is my i would say a writing buddy okay. um and uh she's amazing um my coach was a lady called alison rendell who okay. uh as i say used to work with me and um she's she's incredible she you know she doesn't give you the answers. She knows that the answers are inside you, but she yeah. asks you the questions that draw out what goals you need to set for yourself from the from the long term, the bigger goals to yeah. the smaller day to day. 
so she, for example, I was worried that having been a teacher with a timetable, yes. um, where my day was so tightly divided up and I didn't have any space to think even, going into being self-employed, um, being much more flexible, having yeah. all that time on my hands, I was worried that I may not be, I may not use it as efficiently mm. as I could have done. Yeah. Um, so we talked through some of those concerns that I had and how to mitigate and manage those concerns and make sure that I was mm. productive. Awesome, awesome. So what was the first networking event you went to? I went to uh, the Winchester Writers Festival, okay. which I really recommend. Um, it was an incredible opportunity. You pay your money to go to the festival and you get a number of one-to-one slots with uh, your choice of write, uh, writers, editors, um, agents, um, and so in advance of the festival, you pitch your material that you've got to them um, yeah. in whatever format they want. So maybe it's the first 10,000 words or the first three chapters plus a synopsis. Yeah. Um, and they feed back to you one-to-one at the festival. It was absolutely incredible um, because obviously they don't all say the same, exactly the same thing. So you can navigate their... Uh, feedback and pick out the common threads um, and realise what you need to do Um, but also it gives you the chance to possibly um, get an agent at the festival if they like what you're doing you know they may want to keep in touch with you see how your writing develops and so on and it gives you huge confidence because having met four people on the trot and risked them you know, tearing you apart <laughs> potentially, you, you grow a thick skin and uh, it gives you confidence to then go out into the wider world and approach other people. Yeah, no, that sounds really um, amazing though because I know that, you know, as an author myself and having spoken to hundreds of other um, authors, you know, one of the biggest things that sometimes when someone is starting like, okay, I want to become a published author, their biggest struggle is, do I self-publish or do I go with an agent or, you know, and they're not really sure how to navigate. And then sort of listening to you say that, you know, a writer's festival, well, I guess if it's the right one, um, you know, they would put you in touch with, you know, agents that you can pitch your work to. No, that sounds really, you know, that sounds really amazing. It was really helpful. Yeah. I mean, the whole self-publishing Uh, versus getting an agent going down a more traditional route was something that I thought about a lot. But personally, I wanted to be able to focus on writing. I mean, obviously, we all, from, you know, Margaret Atwood um, down to the the newest writer on the blog, we all have to do a certain amount of self-promotion and put ourselves out there. It's not realistic to think that you're not going to have to do that. But, you know, know, thinking about contractual obligations, uh, trying to perhaps sell your book into other markets uh, no. abroad, um, at dealing with legal side of things. Um, I just thought I really would value somebody who's expert in that and knows what they're doing. Um, especially, you know, I, I thought that that was worth money worth paying if I could find somebody to take me on their list yeah. um, it would be really invaluable to me mm-hmm. um, I really admire people who self-publish and of course the industry is changing very quickly yeah. um, there's lots of disruptive things going on it's now easier than ever to market your book yourself because yes. of wonderful book bloggers and podcasters like yourself so uh, I think 
that's a really there's, there's lots of exciting change and opportunities yes. in the in the profession. It was only yesterday I was saying to someone that you know this century, this year is probably one of the best years in human history because where you would have a lot of stumbling blocks to achieve certain things, technology has allowed you to be able to achieve so much more. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we are now, a lot of people are opting to self-publish. And one of the biggest things that some people have said to me was that because you're going to, even when you're with a you know, normal trade publisher, you're still expected to do some promo. So people then say to me, well, if I'm going to still have to, if I'm going to, if I have to do some promo anyway, I might as well just do everything. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, quite. And that's a perfectly logical uh, thought process. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've done, how many books have you published now? This is my first. Um, so I'm working on the difficult second novel right now. Um, and uh, it's also a thriller. Um, it's uh, set in the southeast of the UK. Okay. Um, so uh, an area that I know well. I, I grew up on the south coast and I, um, I lived in uh, East Sussex mm. uh, for a long time. Um, and uh, it's, you know, when I say the difficult second novel, it's because you try and apply all the lessons that you yes. learned in your first book uh, and get it right in the second book. And of course, that's an impossible task. You can't apply them all at once. No. Um, and that can be a little bit paralyzing. So you have to try and, I think, find, you know, keep writing and uh, keep reading other people's stuff to yes. inspire you. That's really important. Um, and... Uh, Try not to try to dial down the internal editor voice a little bit, um, because also when you've just published a book, you've just had a book out, you've gone through a very intense editorial phase, um, yeah. and moving back out of that editorial mode into a much more experimental, creative mode, yeah. um, can be quite a tricky uh, transition. Um, so try to dial down the editorial voice and just write, because of course you can come back to it later yes. and edit, um, which you must do. Um, but if the editorial voice is too loud, you'll never um, write another sentence again. You know, yes. you'll delete everything that you put down on paper. Yeah. So I'm curious, your second book that you're writing, is that going to be um, a sequel to your first book? It's not a sequel. Um, I, I have got a sequel planned, so if, uh, if there's any publishers out there who are interested in acquiring that, I would be very interested to talk to them. But it's, uh, you know, it's nice for me to have the chance to continue to grow as a writer yeah. and evolve um, and write something a bit different to the first one uh, in terms of the characters and the setting and so on. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... I, obviously, I wouldn't turn it down if somebody came along of and said, course. would you write a sequel? <laughs> of um, and the, I've been told the characters are very, you know, uh, emotionally engaging and people want to know what's going to happen next in, after Sea of Bones. Yes. Um, but uh, at the moment, the, the sequel is uh, just on the back burner for a little while. Okay, okay. So what was going through your mind? So I always think, right, and I come from... I'm looking at it from the way I think of books, right? And I don't like saying this all the time, but though I've said this several times on my podcast anyway, but no one, no one holds, me, holds it against me, right? I think of writers like me as crazy people. <laughs> I think that when you're writing fiction, you sound really mental because 
to me, the characters are talking to me, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm sitting somewhere, and then literally, I'm literally doing something not related to writing, and literally, I can in my mind, in my head, the characters have had a conversation with themselves, right? Yeah. And I'm literally, you know, so it's literally okay. It's played out in my head. I need to find a computer to write that story that they've told me. So the characters write themselves. Yes. That's absolutely the case. And uh, I mean, they, you, you get to know your characters. As you know, when you start out, you're still feeling your way with them. And I used to go to literary festivals and hear writers speak about this. And I used to think, what a load of old accomplices. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, don't be ridiculous. You're the author. You're the creator. They're coming from you. Yes. They're, they're not, uh, you know, there's the famous uh, example of uh, J.K. Rowling saying that the, the cast of Harry Potter walked into her head on a train journey. Um, but um, as I've, um, you know, had the opportunity to, I, I used to write a lot of short stories when I was teaching because, yeah. um, you know, you had time to write uh, a, a short piece and get it finished um, and you didn't have time to invest what well, I found in a longer uh, endeavour yeah. um, so I found writing the, the, a full length novel that the characters did evolve and I got to know them mm. um, as friends and I could start to hear their as you say hard to hear their I, my, my thing is I it's when I'm in bed at night and it's been like that ever since I was a little girl I sort of tell myself stories and um and I can so I can picture scenes I can I hear a key thing that a character might say to another character yeah. and yes that's and that connects with that that they said <laughs> earlier um, and it's like it's not me planning it it's no. like it re- I I see sometimes I see the connections afterwards yeah. um, you know obviously I did have a plan for this novel as well but so many of the things that people have said they enjoyed came from sort of serendipity and yes. almost like on a subconscious level you're, there are themes and ideas running through the book that you don't see yes. yourself as a creator in the first place yes yeah no that's good but I now said something that you planned so again I'm on Goodreads right and again it's like I've had loads of different companies and this is like a debate where it's like we are in the motion that we should plan our stories or we're in the motion that we should just go with the flow. So are you in the bandwagon uh, of planning? <laughs> I, I veer between the two. Um, I, again, I went to a festival um, a, year, a few years ago and it was fascinating. It was a you know, uh, moderator with the discussion. Two, two authors did their readings and then yeah. uh, they were asked the question, you know, do you, how do you plan? How do you write? And the first... Um, answer the first author said I write all the scenes on different shaped and colored bits of paper to uh, almost like a flow chart so if it's a certain type of scene um, it'll be on a certain type of bit of paper and I plan it out and move the pieces of paper around and I uh, make a shape with them on the floor or the desk so that I can see the shape of them and then I write and while she was talking the other um, author there started to look more and more horrified and nervous. <laughs> and he said, uh, I, I just follow my nose. I literally follow my nose and allow the story to reveal it to me, itself to me as I go along. And I, I think I'm, I fall somewhere in between those two camps. So I, I have a, a post-it note chart, which is something that Rosie Walsh told me to do. And the different threads of the story are in different coloured post-it notes. Yeah. Um, but... 
you can, with the best will in the world, you can plan that out and the plot events out and then realise that the transition between this point and this point is really awkward and doesn't work and you need to uh, do something to get the character um, either mentally or emotionally or geographically from one place to another that you hadn't predicted. Perhaps I'm just really dim and I don't predict these things in advance. But um, I do that. But I think if you knew every single element in advance, it would actually be... For me, I would find that a bit dull. I love, yes. the, I love the spontaneity of being able to make connections and decide to do things in a different way and experiment as I go along and see what's, what I feel is working. Also, also, I give it to readers as I'm, I have you know, trusted beta readers who yes. uh, tell me uh, what they think is working and I pick my way through that feedback to, uh, yes. to find my own voice. Yes, you know, because I find beta readers, they are like the most amazing people on this planet because I always think of my head like spaghetti, right? <laughs> and it's all mashed up together. So it's like I've taken that spaghetti and dished it out on a plate and it probably doesn't make sense. To me, it makes sense. But to someone, it doesn't make sense because it's all just sort of tangled. And then my lovely beta readers, they then spread, spread it, out. it out. And I'm like, ah, that makes so much sense now. I'm actually articulating what was in my head whereas before I wasn't articulating it's like it's all there mixed up I know what I'm saying and I think everyone should see it and then they've helped me to sort of spread it out untangle it absolutely yeah they I they were uh, they were invaluable to me during the process I'm really grateful to all of those people how did you find your beta readers where did you find I asked um, trusted friends who I knew were readers Mm -hmm. or whom I knew had um particular expert knowledge in certain um, uh, aspects of the of the novel um, and they were all incredibly generous with their time mm. and uh, read the first draft um, told me what they felt worked the bits that they'd found most engaging uh, things that they didn't think were plausible or didn't make sense um, and sometimes that's quite hard to hear because you can be really wedded to an yeah. idea but um, it's really important to do, you know, because if you're not prepared to put your writing out in front of people who you trust and who are close to you, yeah. so maybe, you know, maybe that's more difficult than putting it out to a complete stranger. I don't know. But I hmm. think you have to be prepared to put your writing out into the world and, yes. uh, and get some feedback. Yeah, just don't be like me. Do Everyone in my network, like, like my friends and family, people that I know personally, they always seem to say, Oh, that's amazing. I give it to my son. Like, can you give me constructive? Oh, wow. Did my sister just write this? That's so amazing. And literally, that's all I get. So, yeah, they are. They absolutely. There's a risk that they don't want to hurt your feelings. But I was completely adamant and clear with them that I wanted honest feedback and that I could take it. That the point for me was to get constructive criticism and to improve. Um, and I needed to know. So I gave them kind of, you know, I want to know this, this, this. Does this work? Particular readers, I said, you know, I asked them about areas that they were expert in. Other readers, it was more how, you know, how does it it compare to other published novels that are in the same genre in your mind? And, um, yeah, they were amazing. So generous with their time. Yes. I, I, I don't know whether I need to find a different group for the next one because I can't, I can't keep burning the time of the same people. Um, but chocolate works. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Lots of gifts. Yes, chocolate, chocolate works. Um, Especially Belgian chocolate. They, you know, 
living in Brussels is a big bonus yeah. from that point of view. Actually, I was going to ask you, so did you come from Brussels to London just for this festival? I, um, I actually had a, an, I was able to make it all coincide, which was great. Uh, I, my, I went and looked after my niece and nephew uh, for a few days, so my sister and her husband were able to go away. Um, awesome. That's lovely. It means I get some nice auntie time yeah. with them. Uh, and I then did a small event in East Sussex um, okay. uh, in a, a village hall down there where a reading group invited me down, and uh, that was great. Um, they were a great crowd, really friendly. It was nice to see some friendly faces. Yeah. People I knew from East Sussex as well yeah. came along, so I was able to catch up with them. Uh, and then, obviously, here for uh, from 26th to the 28th of September at Capital Crime. Awesome. So the book club how did they find you um it was actually the book club um of my of Alison the uh, coach that I yeah. mentioned and she um read the book and obviously wanted to uh support me I think and was really excited as well about what was happening and uh, so she invited other book clubs from the area mm-hmm. um so it wasn't just her book club but I also put out on uh on social media a few uh a couple of months ago, an opportunity for I wanted to join some book clubs if they read my book, yeah. um, because that's another amazing learning opportunity to hear yeah. gen- hear their genuine reactions. Um, so I've done that as well. I've done there are three book clubs that I'm due to join, and I've done one of them in London a, a couple of weeks back. Mm. Um, uh, met a group of ladies who'd read the book, and they uh, gave me amazingly useful um, comments and feedback mm. it was a really nice evening um, it, people were like really you're going to go and join these people whom you've never met <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit weird for all of us I think mm. at first but uh, you know uh, we all got along famously we're what you know what we have in common is that we love reading all yes. of us Yes. Awesome, awesome. Well, it's coming to that time, you know, where normally I would say to people, I'm going to have to kick you out of the Virtual Cafe, but we're actually sitting next to each other, so I can't really kick you out. But just to summarise, though, so you've shared with us how you've gone from being a teacher to a local authority um, employee to then having, you know, working, you know, as full-time author. So can you just sort of summarise five tips if anyone is looking to do that transition from whatever career they have to becoming a full-time author, five tips on how they can do it. Absolutely. I would consider getting a coach or somebody whom you trust to help you do some goal setting and keep you on track. Okay. Um, I would um, try and uh, connect and uh, network um, with people, put yourself out there, ask the questions, ask for help because... People do respond positively and are really generous. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've got to write. You've got to keep writing. Yes. Um, and um, you've got to read as much as you can to w- understand how your book fits into to the marketplace. And um, I would recommend going to a writers a writers festival, um, uh, like I mentioned, the, the Winchester Writers Festival, somewhere where you can. Uh, pick people's brains about yeah. the industry because it's such a sort of sacral, closed industry in some respects. There's all sorts of, you know, the writers and artists handbook, the guides, but uh, at the end of the day, um, people f- 
spill that it's quite opaque. Yeah. So actually just going and asking the questions um, at events like that can be a real eye-opener. Awesome. Okay, so final one. If someone's listening to the show and you're like, oh my God, you know, Deborah sounds really amazing. I want to find out more about what she does. Where can they find out more about you? Where can they connect with you? They can connect with me um, on Twitter. I'm the Deb O'Donoghue on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, I'd love to connect with people and, and uh, hear about what they're doing and what they've thought about my book if they've read it. Um, it's out there in bookshops and available on, you know, online, a sea of bones. And... Um, yeah, um, get in touch. I'd love to hear from people. Awesome. But you don't have a website? I don't have a website at the moment. I used to, oh. um, but I um, I found it was just, it was when I was at the local authority, I created a, writing, a writer's website and okay. it, I... I couldn't do enough of my own writing as well as running the website for other people. So I put that on the back burner as well okay. for the moment. So will you be creating, um, you know, your own website sometime? Just that shows, that's sort of like your own online home with all your work and all your books. Yeah, I possibly. Um, I think that there are a lot of forums that um, do that job for you. Uh, you know, so Twitter, Instagram mm-hmm. and so on. You can... Um, promote yourself and your ideas and so on on those places but I I'm having a look at the idea of a website again because I would really like to share some of my experiences maybe blog a little bit and so on Uh, and it's another place to connect with people awesome well it's been an absolute pleasure having a chat with you um Deborah um and ladies and gentlemen boys and girls if you're listening to this I hope you've enjoyed um our conversation today um all the links and i will put deborah's um, twitter handle in the show notes um if you've enjoyed listening to this um, episode please do leave a comment or a review wherever you do listen to it and until next time it is the shagilala salami show bye now bye